Hey, it's Sean Fennessy, one of the hosts of the Prestige TV podcast. HBO's Barry is back for a fourth and final season. And that means I'll be back recapping the show with co-creator and star Bill Hader to dive deep on the themes, scenes, and major moments in the series. Bill will provide insight into how every episode was made and why it's ending. New Prestige TV Barry recaps will go live every Sunday night when the episode ends. So make sure you're subscribed to the Prestige TV podcast wherever you get your podcasts. It's the mismatch presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Nissan. It's time to start getting excited about the journey and not the destination with the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Built to navigate you to some of Earth's most inspiring spots with seven drive modes and all the power you need. Get the thrill of the drive in every moment of your journey with the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Friday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Palmer, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Blizzarian, Kevin Verno! How are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. We've got basketball games that we have watched that we've got to get to and matchups that are set and some that are still yet to be set as there will be games on Friday night. But before we get into all those, I watched the TV show. Not only did I find FanDuel TV, (laughs) I tuned in to watch the TV show and is this going to be every Tuesday? I thought it was good. That was really good for a first show. Yeah, it was good for a first show. I mean, I think it'll be better once we're able to use NBA footage and do some breakdown stuff and all that. That's when it will really, I think, hit its stride. But first episode, Waz was awesome, yep. as always. It was great having Big Waz on. Um, yeah, I'm super happy with it. I'm excited for all the stuff with FanDuel TV, man. You know, you got, got Tate Frazier with Through the Ringer and other goodies coming, you know, down the line. It's uh yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm super excited about Beyond the Arts first week and and uh, where it's going to be going too. So, a lot of people did tweet us about it. It's going to be every Tuesday at that same time. Every Tuesday, 9:30 Eastern, 6:30 Pacific. Yes. Gotcha. Perfect. Yeah, good job with it, man. I liked it. Appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate right. you, man. I got to butter you up. Because this is going to be rough. Oh, All yeah. right. Oh, uh, really? oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get well, to. Let's the- be honest. You know, the Wolves win that game if Rudy Gobert is active. Let's just get that out of the way. Well, let's. All right. Let's start with that. Let's start with the Lakers and the T Wolves. And you and I are going to split ways on this, I'm sure. But 
Because I saw where you said, you know, look, no matter what you think, they really missed Rudy Gobert. I left that game thinking, man, they really missed Anthony Edwards. If Anthony Edwards shows up in that game at all, at all, if he goes four for 17, they win the game. And this was, look, we don't have to read it, litigate the, the Gobert trade, okay? But one of the things that I talked about when we first talked about that trade, anybody could go back and listen to it, was that I thought that their best player, their franchise player, and the guy that's going to have to be the guy when the Wolves reach the heights that they want to reach is going to be Anthony Edwards. And so fitting that timeline, I thought, is the wiser thing to do. That every move that you make needs to be with this in mind. And the truth of the matter is, he wasn't going to be ready now, and he isn't ready right now to deliver all the time. You saw them throw two guys at him over and over again. Like, we see this. Every great player goes through this. It's the first time where you really, like, struggle. It's the first time where a team just says, we are game planning, and we are going to make life hell on this guy. And if Tareem Prince beats us, if Mike Conley beats us, hell, if Cat beats us, then so be it. But this guy, he's going to see two every time he touches the ball, and he's going to see a third guy behind him. So now he's thinking twice, and he's pulling up, and he's going 0 for 9 from 3, and he loses his aggression, and now he's down on himself. And look, Edward's still going to be an amazing player in this league, but it's too early, and he's got to be the guy. I know there was a lot of people banging on Cat after that game. And look, you go, you don't take a shot in the fourth quarter, or you take two shots, whatever the hell it was, and you get one rebound, and then you have an offer in the overtime, and you make $200 million, you deserve that heat. That being said, I've always thought that Edwards being the guy for that team and Cat being the second fiddle, that's, that's what has to happen. You know, the, very rarely do we see big guys be the guy, especially on title-level teams. And so... There's going to come a time where Edwards is that guy and he's ready to take that mantle. That time is not right now. They tried to speed this thing up. And I think Cat is a fine second fiddle. There's a lot of guys that were like this. I Years ago, I covered Pau Gasol. He was wildly ill-equipped to carry a team or be the guy that all the heat was on. But you put him with Kobe and the guy becomes a Hall of Famer, right? Uh, Chris Bosh, same kind of way. I mean, there's been AD might be that way for that matter, right? Where it's like, man, I don't know if you want him to be the guy that you count on every single night. And so to me, that game was about Edwards. And I know you said Gobert's miss. Oh, the Lakers shot 42% from the field. They shot 33% from three. I don't know how much better you could have feasibly done defensively in that game. And so if you want to tell me they missed him greatly on offense, I don't know, man. That's a hard sell. And I'm not saying they missed him 
on offense. I'm saying they missed him entirely on both ends of the floor. They missed him because their offense sucks so much with Anthony Edwards putting up a total dud performance. And you could say maybe Anthony Edwards, the whole argument about making moves that enhance Edwards was about, you know, he's better in space while well, he stunk in space. And without Carl Anthony Towns, who folded after getting in foul trouble, back to back foul trouble. Hold on, board. he did not no. have space. Well, okay. What well, game did you watch? But let's go through it, though. I'm just saying, like with with the Wolves, Carl Anthony Towns is in foul trouble, and they're needing to play small. So you don't have space. You don't have any other size in your team. Rudy Gobert's out. Nas Reed is out. For that matter, Jaden McDaniels is out because he punched a wall. And I'm just saying. Rudy Gobert in that situation, at least they could have gone to the Mike Conley, Rudy Gobert pick and roll, which has been one of the NBA's most effective pick and roll duos ever since the trade deadline. I'm just going to pull up the numbers for you here for you, Chris, according to second spectrum, since the deadline of the top 50 most frequent pick and roll duos, number one, Stephen Curry and Draymond Green scoring 1.31 points per pick and roll. Number two, Mike Conley, Rudy Gobert scoring 1.26 points per pick and roll. The Conley Gobert pick and roll is something they missed on offense. They missed Gobert's size on defense. They missed his rebounding. They missed his rolling and the pressure that puts on a defense, even when he's not getting touches, which is all most of the time. They miss Rudy Gobert. And I know people think he sucks. I think that's unfortunate. They like to poke fun at him. He's an easy target. Sure. They definitely missed Anthony Edwards, but the galaxy brain take is that they missed Rudy Gobert. And that's why now they find themselves in a situation where they could very well lose against this up and coming thunder team in the fight for an eight seed. And by the way, Minnesota or OKC just going to get slapped around by Denver, but had they beaten the Lakers, you know, I don't think they would have beaten Memphis either, you know, with the two seven matchup, but at least you feel like they've been competitive against each other in the past. But now, you know, their season is soon going to be over, whether it's Friday night or sometime in the next two weeks. So this is crazy. Again, we're going to disagree. I don't think Minnesota would get smashed by them at all. By Memphis I or think, Denver? I think Oklahoma City might give up 50, 20, and 20 to Jokic. Like they, oh, because they have no they, size. They can't. They got nothing to deal with him. Whereas that size thing and them being with Towns and with Gobert and with Edwards, and you saw they got some guys that get in there and will gang rebound like Anderson, like Prince. I don't think that they will get wiped out by Denver. I think it'd be very, very difficult for Oklahoma City to make that highly competitive simply because they don't have anybody. Oh, big. I agree. But if Gobert is one tenth of how good you think he is, then yeah, you're equipped is. to be able to do it. Oh yeah. I'm not saying I'm, I still think they're going to get slapped around by Denver, but all I'm saying is that I think either of those teams are going to lose to, to Denver. Maybe so. That's I all. mean, look, they should, they're playing against the number one seed. Um, let's go to So they don't score for six straight minutes. In that game, and oh, that was a, that was so embarrassing, man. Just six oh one mark terrible. until point one left in the game. They don't score a single bucket. That was some of like that was really some of the grossest offense, you know, that you could possibly see. Credit to the Lakers too, of course, with their defensive versatility and intensity. I heard Kevin Pelton have one of, if not the craziest number I've ever heard in my life, and I I put it in my notes just because I. He he said there was an eight-minute span 
where the wolves did not take a shot within 22 feet. That's something else, man, isn't it? There was a tip in, but did not take a shot less than 22 feet. I mean, that is is unfathomable. Unfathomable. Not Not a shot under 22 feet. No wonder he never scored. I mean, and again, all they would have needed is for one of them to drop and they would have been able to win the game. But they didn't. Uh, you know what helps helps getting penetration is just like being able to run straight pick and roll with a hard roller. Yeah. And they didn't have that weapon in their they toolbox. Needed un- they need other players. This is where we break on the way basketball is. They needed other players that have to be guarded. That's what they needed. Yeah, but but that's because with Anthony Edwards, but you want to space him out with guys that can knock down shots, and they didn't have guys that are respected, and that is not what Gobert brings to the table. You create the space by having five guys that have to be respected to shoot the ball. Spacing is created vertically and not just you know side to side on the court with three point shooters behind the arc. Having a guy in certain situations who can roll hard at the basket to be a lob threat does create space for you. But more than anything else, they didn't have Gobert. It's a theoretical of how the game might have played out if they did. With the guys that they had, you had Carl Anthony Towns, who had this unbelievable, you know, first, you know, one and a half quarters until he threw up over himself the whole rest of the game. Like you look at his numbers on the surface: twenty-four points, eleven rebounds, five assists, plus eighteen. By far, a team high for the Wolves. And you're like, oh my God, what an amazing game by Cat. But you watched the game no. and he did nothing. That's he who he did is. Nothing that second half. Oh my goodness. It was such a major disappointment watching him that game. Like it was infuriating, man. He started off so incredibly well. And then he then he let himself lose it with the foul trouble. He is the guy that looks up and has Austin Reed's guarding him and takes a fadeaway. It's just who he off, is. Man. I mean, that's crazy. It's and that so, was happening. It's so like, frustrating, man. It's happening over and over, and it's happened over the course of his career. Um, but that Wolves team now, we'll start with them because we'll, we'll get to the Lakers as to how they moved on. They're going to play against Oklahoma City because Oklahoma City beat the Pelicans last night. Now, the Oklahoma City team was... Mega impressive in their ability to be a young team and come back, come back from a deficit, um, outscore them by 15 points in the third quarter of that game. And then, you know, you're in those do or die situations. Somebody's got to make a play and they made plays uh, when it mattered most last night. But I honestly thought just watching that game, and I don't think it's gotten enough talk. I thought it was beyond malpractice what took place with your beloved Pelicans. I covered Jonas Valanciunas. I covered Jonas Valanciunas when I saw, if you don't have anybody big on the other team, this guy can go for 30 and 20 against you easily. The Pelicans lost that third quarter by 15 points. Jonas Valanciunas had 16 points and 18 rebounds on nine shots. In the third quarter of the game, Jonas Valanciunas got zero shots in a quarter that they lost by 15, in a game they lost by five. Like, they don't have 
a center. There's nobody out there. There's nobody that can keep him off the board. There's nobody that can guard him. Like they're throwing Dario Saric out there to try to do something. And for him to not get a shot. And it's not like he just passed up shots. Like how that did not become the game plan and we're just going to punish them and your whole season's on the line is just, I mean, again, that I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe, how does that guy get nine shots? He had six, he, I think he took the least amount of shots of all of the starters, if I'm not mistaken. Maddening, absolutely maddening. All credit is due to Oklahoma City, but the biggest advantage that was in this game was Valentunas, and they didn't exploit that, and in fact, got beat because they didn't exploit it, in my opinion. I think this speaks to, you know, something Pelicans fans have observed all season with, you know, Willie Green. There's no doubt that he is a great defensive coach and he he has a way of getting guys to really buy in and play together and hustle and play hard. There, there's like no doubt like he can keep a locker room together, especially with how deep this team is and how many guys were in and out of the lineup and all that. You know, he's like he's had Ingram and Zion together for what, 12 games, 13 games in his two seasons coaching New Orleans. So it's very hard to judge him overall. However, the thing that Pelicans fans have had issues with oftentimes is his decisions on offense, whether it is the way in which he's funneling plays to guys like Trey Murphy, who you know took six shots per game from three this entire season before really ramping it up late. You know, a lack of, you know, creating actions for one of his best offensive presences, some of the rotations, uh, just the general lack of, you know, uh, trying to get three point shots. And I think also you saw that in the exact thing you're talking about here, Chris, you have a matchup advantage with Jonas Valanciunas clearly exploiting the smaller OKC front line. And so little to nothing was done to get him touches in the, the most critical part of the game. And I do, I think that speaks to what is a running theme all year, which is for a young coach needing to grow with making those in-game adjustments uh, in order to defeat an opponent who is completely prepared for you like those Mark Dagnall defenses have been all year long for OKC. It's also, you know, it could show up when you don't have a point guard. You know, typically a point guard's the kind of guy that's running the show. CJ is not that. He's no. not. Where it's like identifying, okay, like the great point guards, they go, here's my matchup. Uh, you know, they're setting the table for everybody. And they and figure going, it out on the floor. Like they, they don't even need the coach to, no. to say it or instruct it. The, no. the point guards just do it. And we're going to do this until they, until they stop it. But I'm getting the ball to that guy and he's just going to take us home. And by the way, that could be part of it there. Like it might speak to what is the greatest need for the Pelicans here. And that is a, I mean, like Brandon Ingram can play make, you know, CJ McCollum can play make Zion can play make, but none of those guys are a true point. Just set guard. the table. Yeah. Just somebody, a solid guy that could set the table for everybody. And I really don't know, you know, look, we've joked a lot about the old Pelicans thing all year, but I, I, I want you to be honest about this. Where do you go from here if you're the Pelicans? And do you give it another year of possibly getting held hostage by this whole Zion thing? I mean, at some point, right, everybody else is playing in these games. 
you cannot like what what McCollum said after the game because can you remind gave, me what he said? He gave this he gave this thing about I try to lead by example and I could have gone and gotten surgery, but I want to be there for my team. And yeah, everybody's banged up and what and it was like, I mean, it was it was rather clear. Well, I, I remember when I interviewed him, um, I don't know, whenever it was, November, whenever I did the Pelican story on the ringer, he said to me, like, I, you know, I know I'm gonna average 10 assists this season and you know, I think I can like lead the NBA in assist turnover ratio. So his expectations were to be the point guard for that team. And that op- that opportunity was stripped of him and it became more of an equal opportunity in the offense. I think, so I think people Mc- just took the way he talked about it was yeah, he stunk. No way around. He it. was terrible. He was. Oh, by the way, he was bad in game 82 as but well. But that Horrible. he's been playing hurt and he but he's gutting it out. And he's doing it by example. And people all took that to mean what he probably meant it to mean. Because that Zion media appearance was an abject disaster. Like truly an abject disaster. It made nobody feel better about anything. It was basically, I can play. I have played three on three. But I'm not ready. Yeah. And whether it's mental block or whatever, I just don't want to come back and mess things up. And it's like... What are we doing here? What are we doing? Well, I mean, here's the here's the thing, Chris. Like Zion's still just you know he's still a young kid, and mm-hmm. like his, he is not a mature leader yet. And like when I interviewed him again to call back to like back in November, I put I think I put this in the article. You know, we're talking about him. Like at that time, he hadn't shot a single jumper, not no jumpers. Even though he's somebody who in the past has shown some potential as a spot up three point shooter, you know, like you watched him at practice, like going against guys, and he was shooting fadeaways and pull up twos and like looking so fluid doing. And I remember saying to him, I was like, Zion, why, why do you not do that in games? I mean, you, you clearly looks so comfortable and fluid doing it. And he's like, and he said, cause I don't play in games. <laughs> no, <laughs> He could have said that. He could have said that. But the answer- what are you talking about? Dummy. What games? <laughs> he, he could have said that, but he was playing at the time. So what he did instead say <laughs> was, I don't want to shoot because if I miss, I'll get in my own head. You know, I'll go, I'll, you know, I'll get all, I'll think about it and it'll affect me. And there's a clip. I don't know if it's online anymore, but I remember Jonathan Gavoni or Mike Schmitz of Draft Express interviewed Zion when he was like 17, 16 years old or something like that. And Zion said the same exact thing in that clip from years ago. He's like, they're like, you know, when you're working on your jump shot, what's what's the thing, you know, you're, you need to get better at the most. He's like, my confidence when I miss shots, you know, I get in my own head and it affects my game. And so it's like, this is speaks to what he just said in front of the media when it came to his health. It's about feeling like I can perform at an optimal level. I need to feel like I can do it. He is very much in between the years as a player. He is less mature emotionally. And that is something that New Orleans needs to navigate when it comes to his health, his weight, his work ethic. The, the way and the skills in which that he works on his defensive effort. So that's so is the only are, choice to just run it back and pray it works. 
I don't know. I mean, I think you got Kendrick Perkins on first take today saying that if I'm the Pelicans front office, I'm trying to trade Zion. Uh, that's the extreme viewpoint. Okay, I, like, that, that, here let's let's do the counterpoint. Jeff Van Gundy saying, "Look, Joel Embiid played X number of games his first three four years in the league. Yeah, but now yeah, he but conveniently Embiid, overlooked that they did that on purpose because they were yes. trying to lose seventy well, games. And, and like you need to also consider personality too. Like Embiid, you know, he's always been like a goofy, you know, jolly guy, but Embiid's a killer." Mm-hmm. And he's like very open to feedback, and he, he wants to learn. Like he was, he was that in college. He still is that today. He has like this deep desire to get better and to work as hard as he possibly can. Zion doesn't have that, so I, I think that's the difference between those two when it comes to like. Yes, you can say Embiid missed all that time his first four years in his career. He missed two full seasons, but like personality wise, that's where I, with Zion. Like he's this natural elite talent, and so in many ways, you know, their their stories are so different. Luca is obviously like he's already been an MVP candidate, an All NBA guy. He's went to a Western Conference Finals, but like Zion, these guys are such natural talents that they can roll out of bed and mm. be elite. And all their life, that's all they have ever had to do is just roll out of bed and be elite. And like, I think it's hard to talk to those guys and say, Hey, as great as you are, you think you've been working hard your whole life, considering the results you've seen. Actually, you're actually kind of lazy. You're actually lazy and you're not doing everything you possibly can do to maximize your potential. That's where the Pelicans are with Zion. So, you know, I, I think perk, like people view him as a hot take guy and all that. You say what you want about him. But I do think there's some logic to at least within the Pelicans front office seeing what's out there because it's not just health. It is personality. And you've got something going on right now with a lot of other good existing young talent that if a team is willing to go over the top for him, which might not be the case, considering everything we're talking about, maybe it's something you think about moving forward. Could he be right? He he could. I think you and I both agree. He could be one of the best five players in the world. Does oh, he dude. want to yeah. be? And this is the rub. You remember, there were some people, not a lot, because it's just kind of the way business is done. But there were some people at the time that said, bro, you think you're going to get the best out of Ben Simmons when you when you give him $200 million? You think that's when you're going to get the best out of him? You have rewarded nothing. Yep. You have rewarded poor behavior. And so it's like, how do you how do you get through, right? Unless you are self-motivated to be that. How are you getting through? Because typically that's the carrot. And if you can, you know what I mean? If you haven't necessarily acted in the way that and you were you were really hard on Simmons, and that has gone precipitously downhill. It started with the not working on the game, but it transformed into not wanting to play in games. At all to now, I mean, that's looked at as the worst contract in the world right now. Did you say? I mean, they're about to play in the playoffs. He's not even going to play in them. Yeah. Like, what unbelievable. the hell? It's unbelievable. unbelievable. And so, look, yeah. I don't want to put that on Zion, but there's a lot of people now, once they lost, questioning, like, yo, what? Like, what is going on here? And it's 114 games in four years. We're going to just do this again? You gonna hold the whole franchise hostage? Because 
he's amazing when he plays. Amazing. I mean, he's like, I, I, you know, when I was still doing the voting for the you know, rankings for the ringer, I don't know where I had him last, but I think when he was healthy, like 29, 30 games in, I'm pretty sure I had him top 10. You and I have always agreed on this. Like as, as much as we've joked about stuff, I, I remember us having the discussion years ago, like, and I always viewed it as, Hey, we're going to play in a, we're going to play a game out at the park and you and I are the coaches. We're going to line up everybody in the NBA. <laughs> and I yeah. remember at that time talking about that way. And I kept, tell, I, I remember telling you, there ain't no way we get to 15 guys before we've selected him. There's no way. Like if you told me I got to win this game, you, I would not be able to look at him and then pick somebody else. <laughs> like he's, it's freakish. It's truly freakish. And I've seen him in person several times. And every time I leave the arena, like Jesus, I remember going on the post game show and saying, there is absolutely nobody to guard him right now on this team. And I think maybe you should just go sign Aaron Donald. If you want to <laughs> have a chance. Yeah. Cause I don't know. Otherwise I don't know what you do. He is too big for regular forwards and he yep. is too quick for regular centers. And he's too strong for both of them. <laughs> like he's just, and it sucks, man, because he just doesn't play basketball. If you're if you're in New Orleans, it it's it's got to be a bet on him, the person. Like Zion, everything we've said, Zion is a, is a good kid. Like he's a good person. Teammates like him. Like he's easy to be around and talk to. He's genuine. He's kind. Like he's got a lot of good qualities. But it's it's just it's just the work ethic and it, and it's like the the it's like the way he eats it's 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 all that other stuff, man. Here's my prediction: he's been babied his whole life, and that that's that's the tough part. And by that organization, and by the media. Well, they've pushed I him think, hard, man. It's about him wanting to do I it. I think for the first time, you're about to see the somebody's going to write it. Somebody's going to write it. Oh, like there's the been full, a lot of discontent and, and there's, that, oh yeah, yeah. yeah, cause they got beat. So somebody's finally going to nut up and write it because it cost them. It cost them. And nobody felt <laughs> it, it, to a man. Yeah. Nobody felt like that dude did everything he could to come back. Nobody feels like he's dying that he's not getting to play. Nobody feels that way. Anybody that watched that interview can't feel that way. Maybe he needs that public pressure. Right? Maybe I mean, that's what look, he needs. Do you remember when he just left and went to Oregon? And everybody was like, what? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Like, what do you mean he went to Oregon? <laughs> he just left last season. And everybody was just like, oh, yeah. He's in Oregon. Like, what? He plays for an NBA team. That is trainers that theoretically would be monitoring all of this. Like, it's all so bizarre. Everything's been bizarre. With the whole deal. But... <laughs> I bet you get, uh, that's my prediction. We're going to get the, what's really going on. And somebody will start speaking out and then it'll cause a whole nother round of crap. I just hope we see like, like the, the FU Zion mode, you know, like remember, remember last year when he was asked about food around Thanksgiving and he said, I don't want to, I don't want to give an answer. Cause I don't want to get trolled. You know, he's avo- avoiding, avoiding like what would happen with the memes and all that. He's got, you know, he's gotten fat shamed a lot over the years, but I, I just hope he enters a stage where he just does not 
care. And he just becomes somebody whose his only objective is to kill the opponent. Maybe and he'll that grow includes, up. Yep. And yeah, and that's what needs to happen. So if the Pelicans, you know, I would expect them to keep him. I'd be shocked if they were to trade him, you know. But I think it's at least something to, you know, for a front front offices debate every which you know scenario that you can possibly imagine, including the ones that they should not do. Um, but you know, I just I just hope we see that. The NBA playoffs are here and you can turn crossovers into cash with FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com slash mismatch right now and place a $5 bet and you'll get an instant $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. On FanDuel, there's great promotions every single day using a safe and secure app and you can get paid instantly right now entering the playoffs. I'm not picking the Cavs to win the NBA Finals, but if you're looking for a great value bet for a team that could win it all, Plus 4,200 for Cleveland feels pretty good. So that's my favorite bet right now. There's no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sports book. Just go to FanDuel.com slash mismatch and sign up to get $150 in bonus bets when you bet your first five bucks. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hope is here. In Massachusetts, visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, text Hope New York. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. In Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Connecticut, visit ccpg.org slash chat. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Kansas, visit kcgamblinghelp.com. In Maryland, visit mdgamblinghelp.org. In Wyoming, call 1-800-522-4700. In West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. Well, you have the flip side of that game with Oklahoma City, which it's very difficult to have a brighter future than what they've got going on because they've got Giddy, they've got Williams, they've got Gilgis Alexander, they've got Chet in the, you know, in the fold who looked very good uh, in the brief amount of time we saw him in summer league. And then they've got a uh, first round pick this year, four the next year, three the next year, three the next year, two the next year. I mean, they are absolutely loaded with picks and young talent that you can build out around. And, you know, you and I will see each other again at summer league this year. And we always do shows at summer league. And sometimes we talk about these guys that we see. Sometimes it ends up being a glimpse towards the future. And sometimes it ends up being meaningless, but I've always believed. And I think anybody that's listened to this show for an amount of time, that there are some things that that are very relevant when you when you see it going forward, and two of those were with that particular team. One, Jalen Williams from Santa Clara, which I told you when I saw them, I was like, "Oh my god!" Like they found one with this guy. But the other, and more importantly, was I thought it was wildly unfair when I watched a summer league game with Josh Giddy in it. I was like, "This is this is ridiculous." It's just like putting an NBA all-star in the middle of a summer league. Like this guy, <laughs> he is so much better than everyone. It's gross. 
Why is he out there? And of course, they were trying to build some chemistry with Chet and whatever else. But the guy just looked so much better than everybody. And the Gilgis Alexander thing, I think it was a, you know, you really get stamped when you do it in the highest leverage games. Regular season is one thing, but what what shows up when it matters most? And that was test one for when it matters most. And Herb Jones was all on him in that first half. And then he came out in the second half and became the guy that people are going to vote first team all NBA. My God, what a player. Yeah. I mean, did, didn't it matter at all, you know, for, for SGA and Giddy and Jalen Williams? They have so many different ways that they can attack you. And, so and they, and with Giddy, you know, him spinning into the lane, SGA going from, you know, tiptoeing into the lane into, you know, full on sprint with the ball in his hands. Like his change of speed is, like really dramatic. I, I forget who tweeted it out, but I saw somebody say like he goes from like <laughs> like 0.25 speed to two times speed, you know? <laughs> it's like we're <laughs> podcast listening. <laughs> and and his really footwork like. is so good and his handle. Oh my God. And, and regardless of whether he's moving slow or fast, the, the footwork is amazing. He is such a tough, tough guy to stop. And I mean, all like me and Kyle Mann talked about this on the draft show. We had, we, t- we touched on like some draft, you know, implications from what we saw with the these games last night, and you know, we just we're talking about all that's missing with OKC is size. You know, this alludes to what you're talking about on the flip side. Like Valanciunas not, you know, getting touches inside, but like you look at OKC, like they feel like they're ready to compete at a high level if they just round out the roster. Not missing much. No, they're not. not. Even though they're even though they're the youngest team in the NBA. That's right. Oh yeah, I saw your tweet last I hope night. They win. I'm I'm rooting for them against Minnesota. Just you know, full disclosure. I just want to see OKC in a seven game series and, and take know, their lumps. Be super cool. Get yeah, the scars. I it, yeah, I mean Minnesota took their lumps and we see they don't grow from it. So I'd love to see OKC, a team that I am betting will grow from it. I do think Minnesota. Look, Minnesota. There's no way they should not expose that size thing with Oklahoma City. Oh, no doubt that about would it. be Cat, embarrassing. Yeah. Cat, like, so and, if Gobert and Gobert's plays, playing, probably. He is for sure. Is that 100%? I mean, he says his back that? hurts, but I mean. Really? Is that true? He said his back hurt when he said in the game seven against the Clippers that he wouldn't have played because oh. his back hurt. So back questionable yeah. for yeah, Friday's back spasms. Mm, okay. I think, he, I think he heard it trying to punch a teammate. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was playing through it then. He re-aggravated it trying to punch okay. a teammate. I apologize. Um, <laughs> but no, that uh, I think that with Minnesota, if they lost, it's a massive, massive disappointment, especially with how you let the Lakers off the hook. Oklahoma City, this is a good season no matter. If they oh, drop that game, sure. it's a great season. It's an awesome season for OKC. You know what I'm saying? It's just an absolutely fantastic season. and So the pressure uh, like, is really yeah, off be Minnesota. <laughs> Really, the inter- the interesting thing with that game Friday is that OKC, if they lose, they'll they'll be tied with Chicago for the eleventh best draft odds, and we've seen the eleventh best move up into the top four before. It's like eight percent chance of moving into the top four. So, really, what they're playing for is you know experience in the postseason as the eight seed or eight percent odds of moving up into the top four. Or, you know, and so we'll see. We'll see what OKC ends up. Uh, either path is great for them, I, you know, I'd say. Let me say this, too. If I've got a must-win game, bro, give me Lou Dort. 
Oh, isn't he something? I as I'm him. watching it last night, this guy shot less than 40% from the field this season. But when it was game seven against Houston, oh yeah, in a do or die. And then I'm watching last night. This guy cannot miss. He's taking <laughs> everything with the most confidence. He takes it with the confidence of a guy that shoots 60%. And then on the other end, he is neck to neck with Brandon Ingram. Like every, the, the crowding and the physicalness. And he probably got away with being a little too physical, but holy mackerel. Like I talk about foxhole guys. <laughs> That's a foxhole guy. This guy, God bless. That the, now, in fairness, that three he took in the fourth quarter, if it wouldn't have hit the backboard, it would have killed a fan. I mean, it was just like, come on. We're a little late in the game for this. But in the first half, he kept them alive. What do you have? 20? They get 20 in the first half and couldn't miss. It's like, yeah, this is the game plan. We want Lou Dort to shoot. Like, bro, do you not have a videotape of game seven against the Rockets? You don't want this guy to shoot. He may bury you. I don't know what it is, but when the stakes get higher, Lou Dort, he's there for it, man. He is there for it. His his defense is oh. I mean, he's he's spectacular on defense. I mean, like it's like I think he's six three, six four, whatever he's listed at, but he's you know, wide like a linebacker or a strong safety, and he can play up against bigger guys with ease. He's I don't know that that dude is he's exactly you said it, Chris. He's the type of guy you want in one in those big games. Well, and we'll do the post mortem for either of those teams, uh, Minnesota or Oklahoma City that loses. Obviously, Oklahoma City, we won't have a lot of analyses of where do they go from here. Like we know exactly where they're going from here. Up, it would they're be big up. difference with Minnesota in terms of how you function in the off season, dependent upon. Honestly, what takes place in that game? But I I will say, I think that they would give Denver a hell of a series. I really do. Minnesota. I think Oklahoma City would have too big of a problem with the... The, the other team's best player being a center is a disaster. And frankly, <laughs> the Pelicans should have beat them if they could have gotten their heads out of their asses and just thrown the ball to the guy that's seven foot tall. But instead, they decided they wanted to... Crossover dribble step back threes. It's like what? Is, what is going on? They let the guy who dominated the game take nine shots. Like you deserve to lose. I just don't think that the next. I think that somebody will punt. You know, the next uh, Denver will. I think Minnesota will punish them for it. They should, and that Denver. It's just that's a bridge too far. I don't, they don't even have anybody you could put on Jokic. You can't put the kid from Arkansas on him. Well, you're gonna you can't be put doubling. Sarich on him. You're going to be doubling a lot, sending two at Jokic and forcing <laughs> I mean, him to be a playmaker. That's death. I know it is, but that's probably what you're going to be doing, and you're going to have to be scrambling. You, 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 I just don't think you can play one-on-one against Jokic. It's, he's too dominant as a scorer. You're going to have to send two. Right, whereas Minnesota could throw modern-day Bill Russell at him, so he probably shut yeah, him true. down. I mean, they, they do have the, one of the best interior defenders in you know league history and Rudy Gobert. You're right. That's thanks, right. For, thanks for that compliment. <laughs> the first <right>. Bill Russell. <laughs> it's true. He is. Like it, like it or not, he is. On the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> On the other side was the Lakers of Minnesota. And I'll let you say, I mean, what, 
the game was terrible. There's no way around that. Yeah. And I don't think that it's not. Uh, I think I'm being objective when I tell you anybody that watched that game saw a Minnesota team that vomited all over themselves. Yep. In the most horrendous way. And they were down three of their top, like seven guys. They're down two starters. They're down their best perimeter, probably defender, certainly their best post defender. And they didn't score for six minutes and the game went to overtime. (laughs) Like, I don't know how anybody walked away from that. I I keep, thinking that people think the Lakers are something that they have not shown themselves to be this year. There's been a lot of games that have been played. And I had this feeling after watching Miami, Kevin, because I fall prey to this where it's like, Hey man, it's Jimmy buckets. It's Jimmy. It's Pam. It's Tyler hero. It's Kyle Lowry. It's like, you know, when it, when push comes to shove, but like you forget, Last season, they're the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. They won more games than anybody, right? So it's not crazy that they went seven games and went down to a shot with Boston. But this year, they told us all year long that they're an average-ass basketball team. And we just didn't want to believe it. Or some people believed it. But I just kept waiting for them. I, I mean, They couldn't even overtake Brooklyn after they got rid of friggin' Kevin Durant. And Ben Simmons wasn't even playing for them. And they're Mikel Bridge is their best player, and they're throwing together a whole new group. So I don't know. I got done watching that and be like, yeah, okay, Miami. Uh they let they let everybody down. But like they just played a whole season where they weren't very good. Chris, they ever since they started two and ten, they're 41 and 29, the eighth best record in the NBA. The eighth best record. Yeah, the eighth best record. Is that is that average? Then that's despite, you know, LeBron and missing extensive time, despite AD missing expe- extensive time. They tied with the Grizzlies for the best record in the NBA ever since the trade deadline. And you could say, like, yes, they face some weak opponents. Yeah, sure, whatever. But they were they've been much better than average ever since they started two and ten. And that's despite guys being out, and the roster now is so much more complete. They have one of the best defenses in all of basketball at this point. I mean, we so just how saw they, how, how are I, they the, average? Because the last uh, look, we just saw them play in a do or die game that they had to win against the Clippers without Paul George, and they couldn't beat them. We just saw them play in a do or die game against Minnesota without Jaden McDaniels, without Rudy Gobert, without Anthony Edwards for that matter, and they went to overtime with them. When is the time that you've been blown away where you've gone, my God, is there a time? Is there a game that I didn't see? It's it's an aggregate, Chris. It's about the improvement over the course of time. You you can't look at it. Just one time that you thought, wow, just once. You don't have to look it up. Just one time that you left and you said, wow. Isn't it, it, Chris, it's, it's LeBron being 38 years old, scoring 40 points. It's AD switching on defense and dominating inside the paint. It's Austin Reeves being a secondary scoring presence. It's like, it's not any one individual game. Of course, they've had some tough losses. They've had some great and important wins. I mean, I, I don't think it's any, I don't look at it through the same lens as you. I, I look at it as like this team's been 
really good ever since the middle of November, despite all these things that have gone wrong for them this season and the fact that their odds of even making the postseason were so slim. And yet they're here with the seventh seed with an opportunity to actually defeat the Grizzlies. And maybe you feel otherwise, but with the Lakers, man, I think right now with them, you can't, maybe you can't look at one individual game, but I don't think looking at one individual game actually has all that meaning anyway. It's about what's happened over the duration of the entire season and the way their story has developed and how different the team is right now compared to what it was in November and December and January. It's a completely different roster. Did we watch the same game the other night? Of course we did. You would admit that that's the most important game of the season. Of course. It's not even close. It doesn't even compare to the other 82. Doesn't even compare. And and I think. And you walked away thinking that that was impressive. No, I never said I never said it was impressive. I never said it was impressive. It was, you know, I talked to this with Bill Simmons on his podcast Tuesday night. LeBron had like some embarrassing defense in the first quarter. There's things that happen within that game and over the course of the season that you look at, and it's like, oh well, maybe maybe they won't be able to to flip a switch in the playoffs. LeBron taking plays off in the biggest game of the season on defense, aside from taking the charge on cat. Like there's of course there's issues. There's inconsistencies with their shooters. Malik Beasley. Sometimes he's red hot from three. Sometimes he's going Oh, for 10. Like they have issues in that game. They shoot 32% from three. It's one of those off nights for them. Like there are concerns for the Lakers. There are by no means a perfect team, but there is no perfect team in the Western conference. I could just as well look at the Grizzlies as we've been talking about and saying, well, right now they just really have Jaron Jackson jr. Right now at the five, like they don't have Steven Adams. They don't have Brandon Clark. There's issues with Memphis. There's issues up and down the rosters in the Western conference. We're also 35 and six at home, Kevin. Okay, great. Cool. Like there was a, there's a, there are a ton of games, and I know you didn't watch any of them. But if you would have, <laughs> where you would have walked away wildly impressed, yeah, and, and you would have gone and 25 on the road, sixteen and twenty five on the road as well, right? And they, they and also gonna, just had the gonna, best gonna, record in the last month, and yeah, their coach won coach gonna, of the and month. They're gonna fly across the country to L.A. so Jock could party for his four days in L.A. Right? Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure they're. Uh, Really worried about that at this point. I think he's gotten his comeuppance. Oh, yeah. I don't think okay. I don't think you got to worry about that. The shoe's going to be coming out of playoff time. You <laughs> <laughs> got you got those Nike officials probably going to be staying in his room. Yeah, yeah just <laughs> <laughs> make sure make sure everything's on the up and up. Don't worry about it. Uh, so but, you, so wait a minute, Chris. Like the way you talk about the Lakers. Like, what's your prediction for this series? How far do you see this going? Does it go five? Does it go six? I will say this. The, the farther it goes certainly favors the Grizzlies because of the way the schedule broke. At the beginning, there's is a lot of rest. Is that because for Steven Adams returning? Why is that? No, because of the way, if you look at five, six, seven, it turns into an every other day thing. Yeah. And their best player is 38 and plays 45 minutes. Uh-huh. And their second best player goes down in a heap three times in a game and everybody holds their breath. (laughs) So playing every other day favors the young legs. There's no way around that. Oh, certainly concerned with the Davis thing. You know, they played against each other a couple weeks ago. He had like 30 and 22. I mean, likewise, they played another couple weeks ago and John Moran had 29 points in a quarter against them. 
So, you know, and then we had that Shannon Sharp game, which was a one-point game. And so I do think that the longer it goes, it will favor the younger team. And I never in a million years thought that you could have the best record in the league and be the number two seed in the West and somehow be the team that very few people are picking. But them getting to do the nobody believes in us, just like the Kings are getting to do, is an advantageous position to be in. It's much better than having expectations. You know, I've always been uncomfortable with the expectations thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, because while you were effusively praising Oklahoma City last night, just amazing that they could be the 10 seed. And, you know, young teams like that, they usually stink, I think is what the tweet said. Yeah, Yeah. you're right. Yeah, they do. Um, (laughs) And I I thought to myself as I was reading that tweet, my God, wait till he finds out who the second youngest team in the league is. He is going to he's going to have a full blown erection. He just doesn't know. He doesn't know who the second youngest team is. Court, Amazing. To, to, is, I mean, just Adams to win like a the, game <laughs> and be a 10 seed as a young team, unbelievable. Imagine if the youngest team took the training champions to six games in the second round of the playoffs. Oh, my God. Can you imagine the tweet? It, it is amazing. We, we talked about amazing. it on the freaking podcast. How you amazing never it is. said one praiseworthy thing. Yes, I have. It's what been, are you I can't about? wait to watch them lose. <laughs> now you have to be Kevin O'Laker. Oh, I love this. I love this. A guy that grew up probably saying F the Lakers, F LeBron. Now you have to do it all just so I don't win. <laughs> It's gonna be. I know you've got Lakers in four. No, I got Lakers in six. Oh, six! Good. I hope you go to Game Six. I hope I do too. Yeah, you should go over. Just drive over to Crypto. You can watch it. It'll be great. I do think. uh, I think it's gonna be good series for sure. Great series. Oh man. Hopefully, great series. Uh, I'm so, I'm so I'm so excited for this series. It's gonna it will. Be great. It's 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 easily the premiere yeah. one to watch. I, I mean, it's great because I mean, it's great because when we started doing the show, the Grizzlies were you know near the end yeah. uh, of the Marcus Ole Conley era, like back in 16, 17. and then they then they dive down and they go into their rebuilding phase, and then they go first round after the play in, and after then they go second round and. Now it's a season that's been like, you know, a bit of a step back in some ways, a step forward in others. And, you know, and make no mistake. Hey, make no mistake. Something will happen that is going to, something's going to happen. Dylan Brooks is going to do something to LeBron, or LeBron's going to do something. Yeah, or there's there's going to be drama. A, or Dennis Schroeder's going to kick someone, or something. Shannon, Shannon Sharp just yeah, goes toe to toe and middle center sure. court with Brooks. That'd be cool. Yeah, something, something. There'll be smoke in this one. There's no way around it because it's going to be hotly, uh, there's going to be a lot of passion in that one. The other side is and we talked about Oklahoma City we, and we just spent Minnesota. an hour on, on the Western Conference. I love it. Well, cuz we're cuz they <laughs> look, the East these is boring are as way hell. More, yeah, yeah, these are way it more really interesting is boring. in the West. It just is. 
You know, the one that's already set and even that play-in game is fun. Now, on the other side, Atlanta, I got to give them all the credit in the world. They out-physicaled Miami. Capella becoming the most dominant force on the board in that game. And I was reading something today that, you know, over the last bit that their offensive rebound rate has been outstanding with him and a Kongwu. And so it gives themselves a lot of extra chances. I also thought Miami was crap in that game, like really bad. I was watching some of the uh, highlights being played back today when I was watching NBA TV and they did like a whole package on Jimmy Butler shots that didn't go in that always go in. And it was like all these layups. It's like, it's just a colossal, Capella just played a part in that, though, Chris. I mean, effort. Ca- Ca- Capella's For rim sure. protection was a, was elite in that game. But, but, I mean, Jimmy wasn't that guy, and Bam was bad, bad. Bad, yeah, bad. very, very and, bad. And, yeah. you know, look, they had what? How many guys they have go for double digits off that bench for Atlanta? Like four? Yeah. I think it was four guys go double digits off the bench? I mean, you just watched it, and you're like, I don't know. I guess I thought, like, geez, man, why? What the hell was going on with this Atlanta team? Because they got players. They've got players. And it really, as you were watching it, you really noticed because there were nobody playing for Miami. They ain't playing Kevin Love. They ain't playing Oladipo. They ain't playing, and they ain't got shit. Duncan Robinson's DMP. Duncan Robinson's a DMP. Guy's got $60 million contract. that's what I was thinking about during the game. Like you think back to Miami, their bubble year, and then the year after that, like you, you used to see Duncan Robinson flying around yeah. DHOs with Bam Adebayo and coming off and hitting three pointers. That those days are are long gone. Duncan Robinson's a podcaster now. It just looked like Atlanta had way better players, like in a lot more of them. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean Jalen was- Johnson played really good minutes off the bench for them. Okongwu is. I I love Onyeke Okongwu. I mean, you that do. guy's defense, yeah, he's fantastic, man. Um, so versatile, connective pieces, a playmaker on offense as well. Yeah, I mean, Atlanta's got good players. They do. They, they undoubtedly have good players. And Quinn Snyder, you know, talking about this with Bill on Tuesday night, I thought, I thought the defensive game plan that Atlanta came out with, you know, Quinn Snyder and his staff, you know, using some zone and, you know, using these different, different, different defenses throughout the game. Uh, that was a testament to to Quinn Snyder with what he has tried to do for years, you know, with Utah. Um, but uh, it was just impressive to see that. And Clint Capella, above all else, was just an absolute dominant force. Well, and you've got Atlanta. Now they draw Boston and that's a, that's a hellish matchup for them for sure. While we say they have good players and they got a bunch of them, like the Boston thing is that's another level. Yeah, <laughs> that's, a slap, different, slap, that's a different yeah. deal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Slapped around, man. Like, you know, like like we, you you think about what Miami is throwing at Atlanta. Like they're trying, they're trying some blitzing, they're trying some switching, and then they get these like tiny, you know, small back lines. And anytime there's penetration by Atlanta, they're getting to the basket or kick driving kicks and capellas on the offensive boards. Whereas with Boston, they're big, they're versatile, they they always have length around the basket. 
And they always have somebody that you feel comfortable defending on ball against Trey Young. So regardless of the type of defense the Celtics are playing, switch heavy or drop or or you know up to touch or hedging, whatever it might be, Boston's can feel comfortable with what they're doing on defense or feel find something that they're comfortable doing. And then Miami just doesn't have, you know, the guys on their roster anymore where you feel comfortable doing really any type of defensive game. Plan. Well, and, and oh, you remember but, early in the season after I had gone to see Miami, I came on the show and I said, well, they got to go find somebody with some size because yeah, they put the whole thing on bam. And it showed up in the worst possible time because Clint Capella's fine. 22 rebounds, bro. What the, Come on. And, and Bam and Bam, like one of the reasons why I didn't have him on a single all defensive team is I feel like for I don't know, three months, maybe two months, you know, he just has not been what he was earlier in the season on defense. He seems very, very tired. They need somebody next to him so he can fly around. I uh, know. I know. Like, like Giannis him, gets to, like yes. Jaron gets to, like Evan Mobley gets Robert to. Robert Williams, you yeah. know, all these guys. Yep, that role. And that's Let unfortunate. Him fly around. It really is unfortunate Bam Adebayo doesn't get to do that. No. They just need somebody. Not every team can have Brooke Lopez, though. I mean, you can find somebody. You can find somebody. Yeah. It's tough. You know? I mean, he, and, he got he got destroyed by, by Capella. Oh, yoy. Tough. Where do you go from here is Miami? You know, you asked that question earlier. Well, I guess like it's going to be dependent upon what happens in that play-in game. But, man, it looked like they were drawing dead. I don't want to count them out against Chicago, but if DeAndre DeRozan's not there... She was something else, man. <laughs> that really made an effect on the, on the Raptors. <laughs> it really did. Like, I know that there are some people that will roll their eyes at that, but I was so it glad did. Scotty Barnes said what he said. He admitted Scottie it. Bar- He's- Look, I live with two kids, right? The idea that a sh- murderous shriek right before you're trying to concentrate and do anything would not affect you is madness. I don't care who you are. A murder, it is, I mean, anybody can go pull up that audio. It is piercingly annoying. It was wildly effective. It reminds me of when like, you know, uh, sometimes my, like my, my, uh, algorithm for like Instagram, if I'll watch like, uh, so my buddies will send me like some uh, guy swinging a golf club and then he falls in the lake, you know, as he's like some blooper or something. Right. And so then I'll watch it and I'll send it to somebody else. And then my algorithm will just be like, oh, this guy likes stupid golf videos. Right. And I'll fall down this wormhole and it'll be like guys setting up to swing a golf club and somebody shoots off an air horn and they're all, like they're flying around everywhere. And that's what it reminded me of. It reminded me of like, I'm trying to concentrate and do this thing. And then right when I'm about to do it. And then once it happens a bunch, now any of those things that you ever read about any sport, it's that it, it, it you know, they call it, um, you know, be, doing things unconsciously. Right, that you're not thinking about. You're not thinking when you. If I throw a basketball to you, you're not sitting there going, "I need to put my hand here and my hand here, and the ball is going to fall into it." Or if you shoot a basketball, you're not going, "My elbows is my elbow in? Is my arm straight? Do I have the proper follow through?" Like if you're thinking about all those things, you're going to get paralyzed doing it. And there's no way you could stand on that line and know at that point. Now you know the scream's coming. So either way, you're either thinking about the screen coming 
or it takes you by surprise when you're about to shoot. But the idea that that did not have a profound effect, it, I, it 100% did. Is it responsible for the 50%? I read an article this morning that said it's 26 years since they had a free throw shooting night like that. Wow. And, like, you think it's a coincidence? Think it just happened to be the same night that a little girl was screaming bloody murder at every time the guys were about to shoot? Do you, do you think that we're going to have kids replicating this in other arenas now? I think it's very hard. I don't think that most kids... I, I think she's got a talent for it. <laughs> <laughs> I do. She, she was really it's so it, loud, Kevin. I know. Like, it, it was really coming through the TV. It was very oh. loud. And now it's picking up on the goal, Mike, and she had good seats. Yeah. But, again, another team. Like, like, that's another you, team you, that's going to kick like, themselves all offseason because they vomited all over themselves. They're 19 points. It was a perfect storm because, like, it's a, a little girl with a magical voice, right? With great seats, and she ha- and she's rooting for her father. You know, she's putting love behind those screens, Who right? Was <laughs> once the favorite son, yes, of, of that franchise. Yep, they still love him. The guys I have in my life that are Raptors fans love Demar Derozan. Oh, all of them do. Yeah, will always root for Demar Derozan and still regret that he wasn't part of the title team. Yeah. Most of them. Yep. You know, like he's a beloved figure in their history and for good reason. Well, now, now with Toronto, I mean, like you're in this position where granted you're disappointed you go 41 and 41, you know, all year long, it feels like Nick nurse has lost the locker room and maybe he comes back. Maybe he doesn't, you know, I I believe Fred Van Vliet will be back. That's my impression that Van Vliet will return to Trump. It's just, the the reading the tea leaves right now is my the impression money is, is gonna is, get there. It seems as if Van Vliet will be back, but we'll wow. see if that actually ends up happening. So with Toronto though, you got this nice roster with nice young talent. Siakam, OG, Barnes, Pearl has turned that defense up ever since they got him. One of the top 15 centers in the NBA. <laughs> they should have taken those picks for OG and Anobi when they could. Uh-huh. Okay. Boy, well, hey, that four for 13 last night looked like a guy that was worth 10 first round picks. Well, but that now they're in a position where they, you know, I think. Oh, they but probably... his defense. I forgot his defense. I mean, it's not like they there was a guy on the Bulls that had 700 points in the fourth quarter. No, Zach Levine was incredible. That's it would have been nice to have somebody to throw on him. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> there's nothing you can do about great offense, though. Oh, okay. Then then that's not worth five picks. Lou Maybe Dort says differently. Brandon Ingram is still crying for screens in his sleep tonight. Please get this guy off of me. This guy's like nibbling my ear every time. I mean, I don't know what you think. You talk about their good young talent or whatever. You wanted to blow it up midseason. You don't want to blow it up now. No, I still think they should have blown it up. Well, why shouldn't they blow it up in the offseason? Oh, Chicago? No, Toronto. I don't know if I ever said Toronto should blow it up. I I never said that. I just said they should explore trades for Van Vliet and Trent and consider trades out there for Siakam and OG. I don't know if I ever said blow it up. I said Chicago should blow it up. I never said Toronto should. They got to build out around Barnes. Yeah, for sure. You know, because I still, I've got all my Scotty Barnes stock. And I think there'll come a day where he's in his natural power forward position after they move on from Siakam. They could probably give a lot for Siakam, too. I would think. 
The nurse thing is a big one. He ain't going to be there. Don't you think? It's going to be. No, I don't think so. It's going to be a I'd lot be of jobs open. Yeah, I'd be surprised. There's going to be a lot of jobs open. Yeah. You know, and it just feels like it's run its course there. I'm interested that you said that about the Van Vliet thing, though. I thought he for sure was going to be moving on somewhere else. He's we'll going to be really expensive. He's going to be I, expensive. He ain't going to take a discount. I mean, it's mid-April. I mean, we'll see what happens. But yeah. my, my impression is that he'll be back. That Chicago-Miami thing, does it matter in terms of who would play the Bucks? No, both going to get absolutely slapped around. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of feel games. like... Sorry. <laughs> I kind of feel like Chicago, you know, that you could get like the 70 combined points out of two guys in a game or two. Because, man, there are times where Levine looks like the best player in the world. When he gets on those heaters, holy mother. And he did last night. There's no way around that. He he gets to scoring, and it's just, I, I don't know. Like, you can't believe that he's not the best player in the world, honestly. Like, at some point. Um, other series, real quick, that we touch on, because by the next time we talk, they're already going to uh, take place. We talked about the Memphis one uh, against the Lakers. Uh, Denver, we don't know their opponent yet. Set Golden State. Everybody in the free world is picking Golden State. Um, do you think Sac's got any chance? Yeah, I do. I think I they too. get a chance. I do. I do. I mean, I, I feel like I, I, I understand why everybody's picking Golden State. I haven't made my official prediction at this current moment. Um, I will on the show if you want me to. Um, but uh, I, ju- I just think, I, I just think with Sacramento, man, their defense isn't on the same level as Golden State with what the, the heights of what wa- the Warriors can be. They've been so much better the last two months or so. And we've seen them, like you talked with the Lakers, you asked me, well, what moments are you, you know, have you seen? Like, like there's been no one individual game necessarily where Golden State that you can point to. There's halves, there's stretches, there's quarters and all that. And I, I, I think with the Warriors, it's hard to bet that against that experience. Um, but Sacramento also has something magic about them, man. Like their offense is awesome and, and like, they're hard to defend. And they proved it over the course of a season. And yeah. I, and I don't think a lot of people have talked about this. I actually think that there is a possibility that they make it a lot harder on the Warriors than people think because who, when you got the guy that's making the game plans and he knows that other team so well, nobody's bringing up Mike Brown being a former coach there. But we've seen this a lot in the past where that can really be extremely helpful if you've got a coach that knows those other guys. They know He knows where they want to get the ball. He knows how to make life hell for every player on that roster. You know, he knows what works against them. He coached against it and coached them every night. And he was the one that took over when Kerr was out. I do think that that is some way to mitigate what is a pretty porous defense is that, you know, at least you got a guy that's drawing up the game plan. If I'm looking for somebody to draw up a game plan against the Warriors, Mike Brown's pretty near the top of my list. He may not have the horses to be able to execute it, but it's not going to be because he doesn't know what they need to be doing. Yeah. You know, (laughs) he knows what works against them. 
He knows what works against Steph. He knows what works against Clay. At least what is theoretically most effective. I think sure. that people are writing off the Kings completely, and I think that that may be foolish. I mean, I think you know, I need to dive deeper into their some of their previous games again this season. But you know, I remember their la- the the third game they played against each other. Sabonis, you know, his size, the rebounding advantage that he provided for Sacramento. I feel like Sabonis is going to have to be the real key to this series for the Kings, and that includes offense and defense and rebounding. Sabonis is not some savant on defense. He's below average. Um, but, but hold but up. But if he's able to be effective and dominate the boards, uh, that, that's going to pay dividends for Sacramento on the defensive end of the floor and generating you know, more of that fast offense you know, for them to get into their you know, fast break, which they are you know, some, amongst the best in the entire NBA because of Fox. So that that's I think it all starts with Sabonis here on defense and then the half court. Obviously, everything he does is, you know, it's going to click. I think I can't wait to see what that arena is like. It's going to be awesome, what a dude. hornet's nest that is going to be. Know, on it's going to be and, the and first that's game. part of it. That's got to be part of it. Man. For sure. the, the, Warrior, the Warriors have been horrific on the road all year long. And now you go into one of the best home arenas in all of basketball, best home environments. That's just that, that's, dying that's, that's for this tough. moment, right? The, the, the thing is, like, you know, like you say, like you're shocked everybody is picking the Warriors because of three, three versus no, six. No, no, no. I just that. think nobody's giving the Kings a chance to win the series. Yeah. I mean, it's. Yeah. Have you heard one person? I don't know. I haven't really I haven't. paid attention, <laughs> to be honest to you, <laughs> with you. I haven't looked at a lot of predictions this week. Why? Is there like nobody picking. I mean, in fairness, I wouldn't pick them either, but so I'm, I'm, just, I'm not I'm just ripping been, anybody for doing I'm it because head, head down to my like working on other stuff. <laughs> I just feel like even though I would pick them too, so I'm not bagging on anybody for picking the Warriors. I'd pick the Warriors too. I just feel like it's one of those where, okay, everybody's not going to be right about this. Yeah. No, probably not, but they right. could be. Maybe. I don't know. I, I, I lean Warriors in the series. Sorry, Kings fans. It, they, look, until they lose you with that group, you have to give them it's the credit. So hard to pick against their experience. Can't. It's re- it really is. That's it's right. tough. So I mean, if that's the case, that would mean I got Warriors and Lakers. That means you would have Warriors and Grizzlies, which would be another amazing series oh, in the yeah. second round with those two teams. Not so that's actually out. that's actually the better drama series. But then again, like Bill was saying on Tuesday's pod. Steph oh, LeBron you guys are trying to two. will Warriors Lakers well, Bill, into Bill existence. Bill is trying to will it in. Bill, Bill is really trying to will it in. Like Steph versus LeBron is amazing in its own way. Second round could be incredible. Either way, like regardless, if the Kings advance, suddenly people are talking about them as you know. Oh, can they go all the way? Can they do it against this young Memphis team or against the the Lakers Kings? Like all all four of those two three matchups. Oh, we knew the Western Conference playoffs were going to be amazing. Oh my Eastern God, Conference are going to suck until the second round. Yeah, second and then and then the second round, and then be they're going to be amazing, unbelievable, yeah. unbelievable. I agree. Uh, Phoenix Clippers. I think I give the Clippers more of a chance than you do. Yeah, I think the Suns are going to walk. I think games. that's a long series. I think okay. it's a long one. Um, I think I, I'd end up going with Phoenix, but I think that it's going to go down to the wire. I, th- okay. I, I think Clippers are going to win games. So in, in the West, in the West, our only difference is uh, Grizzlies, Lakers. Yeah, of course. We agree on all the other predictions. In the East, yeah. 
We're, are we both picking? I mean, all you top pick you pick Fairly Dickinson against the Grizzlies, so that's not that's not a, it's <laughs> no, not it's, it's no fake. That's not true. That's um, not true. I mean, Fairly Dickinson won a first round. That's, that's not true. They, I'm, they, not, they, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not anti Grizzlies. Um, I'm not. I'm not anti Grizzlies. I've stop. just been. I've been stop. right on about the Lakers all year. That's stop. all. Right on. Yeah, you said they were going to get Victor Wimbayama. Shut up. No, I didn't. They right can't on. get Victor Wembanyama. They never had their own pick. No, I know. You said that it was like on their way to getting Victor Wembanyama. The Lakers are two and ten or whatever. No, they can't. They can't get Wemby. No, the Pelicans. The Pelicans, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they had the Lakers pick. Yeah, if the things went sour for the Lakers, of course. Well, just don't say that they've been, you've been right about them all year. I have been. I, after, I have been. What that they were going to be the play in, in the play in. I said, I said I said with them they they need to trade Ross. I said with them they can be patient. They were patient and it paid off for them. And I said they were I had them six in my rankings. I mean look, hey, look. after the deadline, people said it was clickbait. Seven they said it was clickbait that I was doing that for clicks. It was not for clicks. Like everything with what we do, Chris, it was honest analysis. Be, be, look, and it, being and the seventeen is look and it was spot on. They should hang a banner. Um, Philly, Brooklyn. I mean, I think we both think that's going to be a bomb out. And then the, the best. Yes. Yeah. But I do look forward to seeing how Embiid responds to Brooklyn's defense. I do. Totally fair. I do think that's worth watching for sure. Cleveland, New York is the one. That's a great series that I'm actually super excited yeah, to watch. I don't know, man. No Julius you don't Randall think potentially. So. No Randall's tough for the Knicks, man. I'm counting on Randall being there. He's not going to no, be there. It's an ankle. Not it's not a freaking... Nope, okay. three hours ago, not cleared for contact. Oh, New York Daily News. Oh, that sucks. Yep. Because last year, I mean, Brunson has averaged 25 points, and the last time they played, he had 48 in it. And then you remember last year when Dallas beat Utah, Brunson averaged 28 points a game. <laughs> it was crazy because that was actually Brunson versus Mitchell, and Brunson got the better of him. By the way, the Knicks could be just holding you know their cards because – he Could practiced be. on Wednesday, but he's not cleared for contact, and they're unsure if he'll be ready for game one on Saturday. So maybe they're just, you know, this is some gamesmanship here, and then on Saturday it's revealed that Randall will play. That could happen for sure. Like you never know. But so far, like not cleared for contact is what we know from the team. You think if he doesn't play, then then it's no good. Yeah. They they, they no can't good. win without him. They need Randall. I think you're probably right, but I I was under the expectation that with ankles are usually something you can come back from. Yeah, I I thought, you know, that's what it seemed like when it first happened. March 29th is when he sprained his ankle. Who does he think he is, Zion? (laughs) He's going to come back. I bet Randall plays in the series. I hope so. For sure. Who do you think wins the finals? What's your your finals prediction? Oh, we're already doing finals? Yeah, why not? It's the beginning of the playoffs. Milwaukee. I've said that at the beginning. Milwaukee. Okay, I'm with you with Milwaukee. Over who? I don't. I don't don't think anybody in the Milwaukee over Memphis. I don't think anybody in the. uh, I don't. I don't think anybody in the East or West can beat them. I don't. So is it Milwaukee over Memphis because the Grizzlies are fine in the West? I think. uh, I think probably with the way this broke, that you know I have been one that is greatly believed that the best teams I want to be, I want to believe that you can't just throw together groups of guys and win and there a majority of the teams have thrown together groups of guys that are 
at this point. That is not true of Golden State. And as I've said a hundred times, I do think that they deserve the respect of picking them until they lose. That they have Steph and they have Draymond and they have Clay Thompson. And that triumphant, healthy, has never lost. So if it's, you know, I think it's probably foolish to pick against them. But if I was, I'd probably have Denver. Best player again. Another team, I, you know I'm a big believer on minutes that you've played together, situations that you have been in together, getting those scars, and then having the best player on the floor. And all of those things apply to Denver too. Denver's been in multiple seven games. They've gotten their heart ripped out by C.J. McCollum on their home floor. Then they've ripped other people's hearts out after being down three to one. And they've got a guy that, you know, has won two MVPs and is one of the best players on the earth. And they're the number one seed and no one believes in them being able to do it. But I I think that last year showed us one of those things that those teams had in common and that is that continuity can be a massive advantage for any team. Sacramento is the three seed because if you go look, their lineups, five-man lineups, four-man lineups, three-man lineups, bro, those guys were not injured, Kevin. They got to play together as a group. Now, this will be the first time they're going through like a different deal where somebody's game planning against them. But we got to the finals last year and it was like, oh, guess what? Maybe they weren't the best teams all year long, but Boston's there and Golden State's there. And Smart and Tatum and Brown and Horford have played a million minutes together. And Clay and Curry and Steph have played a million minutes together. And it's like, that's an advantage. They've been down 20. They've been up 20. They've been down four with 35 seconds left. They've been up four with 35, like, as a group. And they know what to do. You saw that with Minnesota the other night. You even saw it with the Lakers. They don't know each other. They don't know what to do in those moments. It's like, Mike Conley? Mike Conley got there three weeks ago. (laughs) Now you're counting on him? You know what I mean? The way they've been doing it all year, it's like, I I think, and and Ant, you saw him crumble. You've got to go through it. you got to go through it. And so I think that I would give the advantage to Denver and Golden State out of the West right now. And I don't think either of those teams could beat Milwaukee. And I'm, again, assuming Middleton's back. Said he practiced, right? Yeah, I know he hasn't been himself all year, but they got to have him. They got to have Middleton. But I, I think I like Milwaukee's bench better now. I saw somebody today, I read some article, I can't remember who it was, uh, voted Bobby Portis sixth man of the year. I thought that was interesting because I don't feel like he got a lot of love. I don't love think he Bobby Portis. It. I know, but I love Bobby Portis. Probably didn't play not enough the, minutes. Not, not, not the same guy on defense this year, that's why. Oh. Not the same guy? No. Maybe he'll turn it up during the postseason, but like I don't think he belongs on top three ballots, personally. Hmm. All right. I, I, I Honestly, I had not. It was the first time I had read it. That's why I was like, oh, Bobby Portis. Totally forgot about that. <laughs> I do like him, though. I mean, I like I like some of the guys. You know, I love Javon Carter. I mean, I like guys that bring off their yeah, bench. Sure, for sure. I love Bobby Portis. You know, and I'm sure he'll turn it up during the postseason. Uh, just regular season version of him was not the same guy. And it's the honest thing. Who you voted for MVP? 
Yep. Best player in the world, Giannis. Yep. It's hard to pick against the best player in the world, right? Yeah. So who you got? Bucks over Grizzlies. Suns. Oh, Suns. Yeah. So you do believe you can just throw it together. Yeah. With Kevin Durant, I do. All right. Fair enough. It's going to be a fun postseason for sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. At is, the man. beginning, the West is going to be so much better. Oh. And then we're going to get to the second round and the East is going to be right there on par. Because oh, yeah. the stakes I, I, are so high. Like, dude, Boston, Philly, whoever loses that is like, where do we go from here? And it's just, well, you know, with the media in both those towns, it is a friggin' meltdown if they lose in the second round. It really is for both. It's just hell. And it's probably more likely to be hell for Doc and Harden. But I don't know, man. Second round of the playoffs in the Ooh. East. Unbelievable. Uh, the, the playoffs, like, these had the potential to be the best playoffs we've seen in a long time. And, like, we've seen some great playoffs, but these are some great teams, you know, and some very good teams. Well, let's be fair, Kip. We only had one dud play in. Yeah. One of the other, look, the other one was at least exciting at the end. It sucked, the T Wolves Lakers game, but it got exciting. It was interesting. Yeah. The only dud was Atlanta, Miami. Yeah. The Pelicans, Oklahoma City went down to the wire. And then the uh, Thunder, or I'm sorry, the the Bulls and the uh, Raptors. The old the old the heat disappointed us. All right. And so I, I've got Minnesota. You've got OKC. Yep. I've got, man, I don't know. I guess Miami. I don't know. I'm going Chicago. If no DR DeRozan, I'll say Miami. <laughs> <laughs> if she shows up, I'm changing my pick. <laughs> That's a uh, fair qualifier. <laughs> yep. We had, as we get out of here tonight, a very special producer. They all, look, sometimes your ex comes back, Kev. Mm-hmm. And our longtime producer, Sasha, is back for one episode only. I'm sure that she only planned on being part of this episode because she found out the Lakers were playing the Grizzlies. She's a Lakers fan. but And she had to listen to all this madness. But we are so happy to have Sasha with us tonight, for sure. And we're going to be doing pods all throughout the playoffs, per usual. So, Kevin, I will talk to you next week. Uh, I'm looking forward to a lot of, lot of amazing, fun late nights ahead. Yeah.